Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I am your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with me is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Josh Lindsay. Hello, Christian Good Taylor. Good to see you today. Thank you, sitting there with your peanut butter and apples. <laughs> yes, thanks to Jason Rugg. Speaking of which, he's sitting next to you. Pushing buttons. Pushing buttons, he sure is. <laughs> Hi there. Hi there. How are you today, Jason? Good, how are you? Well, I, mean, I was really hungry yeah. until you gave me this apples and peanut butter. Now I'm super happy to have it. Actually, I should also I'm, mention that Jason hooked me up with a Starbucks frappuccino. So he's like, yeah. what do you call that? He's in charge of craft? <laughs> yeah, craft services. Craft services. There we go. All right. So, all right, we are back and... Uh, we were, you know, basically gone for New Year's and Christmas and so forth. Yes, that's so, right. We um, had told everybody Happy New Year's. You know, and interestingly, you caught me up on the last episode we recorded. I'm not sure that it's the last episode that's going to air because um, today is Friday, January 3rd. And as we speak, an episode is airing that was done several ago. So right. So I'm not exactly sure what order we're going to be <laughs> yeah, in here. We're a little bit out of order. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Well, last time we talked, uh, we were talking about a gentleman, David Patterson. Yes. Who, um, it, you know, you're gonna, it's, it, I'm I'll recovering from breaks. So you're going to yes, have to remind all of us sure. who he is. Well, David Patterson uh, saw an article called She Followed the Parachutes in Catholic U Magazine. So Catholic University is where I did my um, undergraduate, got a degree in theater, majored in um, broadcasting and theater. And he saw that article and reached out to me because I'd mentioned I wanted to submit to film film festivals. Um, And he wrote Bridge to Terabithia. Oh, right. Along with several other things. and so we have since, you know, had a great conversation, and then he watched the film and came back with a lot of notes. <laughs> now, remind me, I feel like at the last time we recorded, when we ended the recording, you're, you got a message from him? Yeah, I got a message from him, and I hadn't really talked to him yet. I mean, no. I think I'd talked to him, but he had said, um, I'll give you $500 to enter into the film festivals. And I and I was like, with no strings attached. And I'm like, how about a string attached? How about you come on board and give us some <laughs> feedback and join our team, basically. And so I sent him the link, and he watched the film and came back with a long list of his um, thoughts and suggestions, which I was super happy about. But like his first thing was, okay, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but my suggestion is to get rid of the whole flow planner section. And I was like... What? <laughs> He's our poster boy. I can't get rid of Flo Plana. Uh, but that was the first instance of like my mind being cracked open. It was sort of like the little chink that started. And Flo is the guy, he's, his grandfather was. Uh, he, yeah, his grandfather was taken into a German work camp. Yeah. So um, this is he, interesting. Was, he was out one day uh, with his parents working in the field 
and the French policemen came with German officers. So in each village, they had a colonnadeur, and that was where the German had their little office in the town. And so what was happening is, of course, all of the Germans had been fighting. They'd been fighting in Italy. They'd been fighting in Russia. They'd been fighting in all sorts of places. So the German workforce was depleted. And so every time they would conquer a place, they would take the young, strong people there and send them to Germany to make munitions and other things. So it it was conscripted workforce. And so uh, these French police officers showed up with a German soldier in his uh, great-grandparents' farm and said, tomorrow morning we are picking up your son and we are taking him to Germany. They didn't have a choice about it. And so his grandfather got taken to Germany where he was put to work in a German work camp making ammunition like bombs. Um. And he would, from time to time, sabotage the bombs. And so Flo, the grandson, uh, is traveling, meeting veterans, uh, recording interviews with them. Right. He wants to create the museum. Right. So from the time he was little, he was so grateful to the veterans, you know, and he just, his mother was so grateful because he wouldn't be here if it hadn't have been for those veterans liberating. I mean, they liberated his grandfather. They liberated this work camp. His grandfather had to walk back to France, walk and hitchhike. It took him... Two months. So how much time of the movie is Flow Planet? Well, the thing about Flow Planet is it's not a matter of time. It's a matter of— No, I know. But how much time is it? Um, Any idea? The total amount of Flow Planet is probably five minutes, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Um, it's a significant chunk, but for me, he is connected with the heart of our film. So that's— he brings us to Bob Friesen, and he brings us to C.O. Bauer. So what was David Patterson saying as to why he sh- you should get rid of great, the flow Great plan? question. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. He's like, if you want to talk about this, we'll talk about this. We were, <laughs> we're actually scheduled to talk after this podcast today. But oh, wow. um, he – I think – I'm going to just guess because since then, I've talked to Nicole Bernardi-Reyes, who is a consultant that I've hired um, – from time to time to review our stuff. And she um, she's from Chicago. She's a, an, an incredible documentary producer. And she's you know made things and sold things, and she knows a lot more about this than I do. And so, you know, I asked her to look at this last cut, and she came back with brutal suggestions. Like, just ripped me up inside. I went to bed. This was actually on New Year's Eve. I went to bed going, oh my gosh, I'm not going to survive. Um, <laughs> so, so depressing. I was just so depressed. And so, you know, I think now I have a better understanding of maybe what David was talking about. It'll be interesting to talk to him again and find out why he suggested deleted, deleting flow. But when I sent Bill David's first notes, um, Bill's my editor. When I sent Bill those notes, he's like, either this guy is crazy or he's brilliant. <laughs> and um, usually those two things go together. They kind of do go together. They kind of do. And so we seriously considered that. Like, and what was so great about that pushback, we also, like, this review process for these final cuts started with our writer, Julie. And Julie watched through the film again, and she came in with some, you know, suggested cuts and revisions and rewriting. And so that was the first sort of pushback on all these different decisions we had made in the past. And 
what was so great about Julie is that for the most part, you know, we would disagree or bristle at a lot of the stuff that she would say. Um, and at first, and then we would begin talking through it, Bill and I, and realize, well, maybe she has a point here. And But regardless of whether we agreed or not, it made us look critically at what our choice and decision was in the film and decide, do we think this cut or this particular rewriting makes the film better? Or does it just make it shorter? Or does it just, is it just because a person would like it better a different way. Right. And so we would have to, it made us justify, critically think about each decision we made for each piece in the film. And it made us realize where our sacred cows were, you know, or where our babies lived. And um, I think with, uh, you know, it began with Julie. She sort of stuck the crowbar underneath the lid and started trying to pry it open. David came in right behind her and gave us his feedback. It kind of cracked the lid open a little more. And then Nicole came in and just shattered it all. <laughs> and so for the last two weeks, over Christmas and New Year's, like we've worked the whole time other than Christmas Day, um, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, um, we've been going through this brutal revision process predominantly because we've decided that we'd like to try to have the picture locked, the story done by February 6th. But are you taking these critiques and first evaluating if they're actually credible or not? Yes. Okay. Because you can't just do everything they say. No, 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 no. And that's why I don't just talk to one person. Right. You right? I I I've been listening now for what what month are we in? <laughs> We're in January. Okay, so I've been listening to critiques of this film all, all the way along, but really we we aired it in Normandy like May 27th, 2019. So since May, I've been listening to different critiques from all over the spectrum, from peop- from 10 years old to 100 years old, from people that um, live in Europe, all over Europe, and people in the United States, from people that have no idea about theater to people who are, you know, high up in the business and have tons of experience, from people who are veterans to people who are not. I mean, from wealthy to poor, from, you know, all over the United States. So I really have been listening to a lot of people's feedback, and you always have to weigh it in context with everything. Who they are as person, where they saw it, what was the audience like that they were with, how were they feeling that day? Do they have some sort of, um, do they come to the table with any preconceived ideas of what they think that, things that should be? That seems really hard to do, to like take the feedback and then say, well, what was going on in this person's life at the time of seeing this film and where have they lived and grown up and their experiences and, you know, whether they're a veteran or not. Like, it almost seemed like you'd have to, like with general audiences, look for a pattern. Exactly. Right? That's why I did so much. Yes. Oh, we have, we have four minutes left. <laughs> Jason's giving us the sign. Yeah, you have to. That's why I did so many, because I wanted to see what are continual frame themes that come up. However, what I didn't realize in the review screening process was how much certain things impact people's like decisions or thoughts. Let me give you an example. We're in a theater. The theater 
over the course of time, like it has no ventilation. So over the course of time, it's getting hotter and hotter and hotter, and the chairs are really uncomfortable, and people can't see around the people in front of them. How do you think the film is going to feel to them in length? Too long. Too long, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to take that into consideration. But that's why you, you... If you hear that from one time in a theater it was hot and uncomfortable, that would make sense. But if you heard it's too long from the majority of your screenings, then you should realize, oh, this is probably too long, right? Exactly. But then there are things like, and this one's so incredibly, this has been a big challenge. Half of our audience, I feel like I'm in divided America. Half of our audience says, do not dub this. Leave it as subtitles. We want to hear the French people. The other half say, Please dub this so we don't have to read the subtitles. We want to watch the film, not have to spend time reading it. You know, um, that's one instance. Another is half of the people say it's too long. The other half say, please don't cut anything. You know, it's we, we don't want to lose anything. So and then the people that have said it's too long, once we get, we've gotten it down, the last time we showed it, it was um, an hour and 40 minutes. So we got it down. Fr- it started off as two hours and 30 minutes. So now we're down to an hour and 40 minutes. And we have heard from the distributor that that length is a fine length for cable television, a two-hour slot. So we know technically it's okay. But then... We hear from others after that in the business who know what they're talking about that it's still a little long. Well, we we were trying to analyze. We know it's not too long, really, in time. Why are they saying that? And so what we had to realize was that it's not just the actual time. It's the pacing of the story. And so we can talk about that in our next podcast. Okay, pacing of the story in our next podcast. So, you know, I, I find this discussion interesting because Star Wars, you know, the last episode just came out and, and people are critiquing it left and right. And uh, Jason, or it was you or Sky, posted an article where it was a screenwriter and J.J. Abrams. Yeah. And it was just all this debating on should we have this happen, this character do that, you know, and just the discussion. Um, but depending on how, why they open that door to other people to come in and share their opinions, you, you, at some point you have to make a decision. Right. Whether you're the expert or not, whether the so-called expert told you to do it or not, you have to make that call. Yep. So, Well, and speaking of which, let's just say Sky is your co-host on the Movie Proposal podcast. A lot of people may not know who that is, but he's your co-host. Um, and, yes, you're absolutely 100% right. The buck stops with me. That's what director title means. At the end of the day, I have to make a decision of am I going to – and Bill and I, Bill actually said this in a perfect way. We have to decide if we're going to make these changes or we're going to live with the flaw. We know If it is a flaw. Well, we know that we're not perfect people. We are first-time documentary filmmakers, and we know there are going to be flaws. There are flaws, I can tell you right now, because of how I shot the film, because of mistakes that I made that I didn't know what I was doing. So there are going to be flaws in one way or the other. There's going to be a huge flaw I don't know that I can fix in Flo's story with a sound problem. I know how you can fix it. 
take flow out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably what David was going to say. That'll really fix the flow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, it will. Uh, anyway, so, yes, at the end of the day, I have to make the decision. All right. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell it. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we really would appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email, and sign up for our newsletter at Normandy Store. Please go to normandystories.com slash donate to make a donation today.